When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour. Good luck to both sides. May the best team win. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Test Daily with the Cricket Badger. Me, James Butler. I'm going to be joined by three of the Badger fan reps as we go through a very exciting day one in Chennai. The second test more than underway, I think it's fair to say, with India finishing the day on 304-6. A fantastic century from Rohit Sharma being the standout batting performance, certainly, of the day's play. Anand, let's start with you, shall we? Because you're our Indian fan on the uh, podcasts and it was a rather a good day for India I think that pitch is looking like it might do a little bit getting those first innings runs on the board key yeah absolutely I think India has done well here with the amount of runs that they've made this pitch almost reminded me back of the pitch that was served up to Australia I think uh, in Pune in uh, I think it was a 2016-2017 series where I think Steve O'Keefe ended up taking six wickets in both innings and India got rolled out the pitch is interesting you would expect turn but there was some unpredictable turn, right? So, I mean, if you look at Kohli's wicket, it was a very interesting delivery with not a lot of balls turning. All of a sudden, Moin Ali just absolutely ripped one. So, considering the pitch, I think India's done very well. 295 for six is a great score. I mean, that, that pitch, Anand, you look at that, I mean, I tweeted that it's, it's like the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. You have some of those balls are, are pitching and it is exploding and it's day one. That looks like a kind of end of day three, day four kind of test match on day one. It was a little early to see some of those balls sort of explode You haven't been seeing that in the last few test series in India. You haven't been seeing this amount of turn on the first day. You certainly see it from the second and third day onwards, but this is not normal. But you also saw how good batting can negate some of that. So in the second session, almost I thought Rohit and Rahane played well. And, you know, the key really was, again, going really forward or stepping out or going really back and playing spin. They were not getting stuck in the middle. You know, obviously, Leach bowled very well during that time frame. The good batsman can survive. So it's still not it's still not as bad as I've seen pitches in the past, but there is a lot of turn for sure. I was listening to the TV coverage earlier on and they were saying that first test match pitch was red clay. So it's fairly reasonably solid. This test pitch is red clay underneath a, a level of black clay which is apparently is more likely to break up and it seems to me and there's nothing wrong with this at all India playing to their strengths it seems to me that the Indians have set this one up to be a pitch that does provide turn they've played three spinners and as I say playing to their strengths a little bit yeah certainly it does play to the strength however I think you know depending on how much turn you get out of pitch I think you bring in 
every bowler in it. You know, when a pitch has a little turn, then you really get the skilled bowlers in it. However, if a pitch is turning square, then you end up bringing in, you know, bowlers who are not as talented as, say, a lion, a and a swan, you know, examples from yesteryear. But it really brings every bowler into the play. So it is a little risky. It's still not as bad as, you know, I've seen some other pitches. And I'm completely fine with spin being in being there in India. You know, when you go to England, you certainly see a lot of uh, swing and seam out there. You're not going to see a lot of spin. So playing to your strengths is fine. I think this is close to, you're, you're certainly getting a lot of turn on the first day. You know, again, we saw good batting really combat some of that. Dan's joined us, Daniel Kelly. You're our England fan on this podcast today. And Dan, it wouldn't be a, an Indian tour, would it, without the ball spitting and bouncing and exploding off the pitch? This is this is more like the sort of tracks we were maybe expecting as England fans. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um testament to how well England played in the first game that it's forced India's hands into preparing pitches so extreme. I think 300 for six is a really, really good score at the, on, on day one on that, to be fair. And I'd be surprised if England can... Um, can claw this one back but we've got a habit of doubting the the England team and rightly so really over our abject performances over the years however this this current setup has proven potentially to have a, a little bit more about them than um than previous touring parties and who knows if they follow Joe Root's lead we might be you know we've got to at least match them in, in first innings which is going to be a, a really big task and, and we're still you know we've got Rashad Pant to get rid of yet and if he slaps a quick 80 in the morning it's, um, we're kind of looking at um, game over stations already so yeah I'm not too optimistic but there's a chance We'll talk about umpiring decisions later but I felt England bounced back a little bit maybe the middle session went away from them but yeah, Rohit Sharma and Rahani that partnership was was excellent for India um, towards the top end of their order but I thought England fought back quite nicely in the in the evening session at least they've given themselves a little bit to sleep on tonight Yeah it's encouraging to you know see the way that they clawed back because at one point it was looking seriously seriously bleak I don't think Jack Leach bowled badly all day to be fair I think he was our best spinner it's just concerning to me that Joe Root came on and uh, bowled seven or eight overs and out bowled Moeen Alley um, like we talked about yesterday James on the on the podcast I think we've we can see already despite him you know, taking the wicket of Coley without absolute Jaffa. I think we can, uh, uh, can we honestly say that Don Best would have done any worse on that wicket? I don't think so at all. I know. Well, I was, was going to say, going to talk about Moan a bit later, but I was going to suggest that we maybe just kind of hold fire a little bit and let the jury kind of just sit on the decision for a couple of days because obviously Moan is always going to be, you know, regardless of whether he's still got it, he's always going to be a little bit rusty when he first comes into a, a match after not playing since uh, 2019. So maybe it's a bit unfair to to judge him on today do you think yeah possibly you can only judge on on what cricket has happened though and I think the cricket that's happened today has had a major effect on the, the outcome of the game and Moeen has, has, has gone for a, quite a few runs and not offered the control it's debatable if he was ever really going to be in that position to offer that control and then you look at the selection question which is what we covered yesterday in depth but yeah who knows um, see how we go see how he goes with the bat for a start and he you know if, if, we, if he goes well with the bat then he'll have a part to play with the ball in the second inning so so yeah who knows yeah I think um, there were definite positives for England throughout that last session I think Ollie Stone as well throughout the day bowled well he sort of slipped into international cricket into test cricket in a really uh, sort of not a hostile environment but you know in a really tough environment and I, 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 think I, t- I tweeted about uh, 3.50 um, looking forward to hopefully as a neutral hoping to get the best out of this test match two se- two sessions of uh, Shubman Gill as you say Ollie Stone just kind of dropped into his line very very early on Shubman Gill who hadn't played him before and we said that yesterday on the podcast that maybe Ollie Stone might you know, provide that little bit of surprise factor because the Indians won't have seen too much of him Shubman Gill obviously 
obviously didn't. He got one to nip back a little bit. J- just didn't play a shot, did he? And got him got him LBW very early on. So my my wish to see Shubman Gill batting for uh, at least four hours quickly disappeared. <laughs> um, yeah, it did. It's a, a really good opening spell as well. I thought he uh, really impressive from Stone, and he's really added to that pool of fast bowlers that England England have got now that are kind of interchangeable with Archer, Wood, and Stone. That is serious strength in depth for in the quick bowling stakes there. I think Stone offered really good control as well throughout the day. There was one sort of a two or three over spell in, in the middle of the day where he went a little bit short and wide but for most of it he was on the money and he was uh, you know he was very very dependable going past the edge a few times as well very very impressive and uh, he was he tried a lot of different things no stone was left unturned to carry on the puns oh, from yesterday no, no right that's that's <laughs> your second written warning um, right we've, we've heard from Anand we've, who's our Indian fan we've heard from Dan who's our England fan um, Nakul Pandey you're more like me I'm trying to be neutral you're going to be our neutral arbiter on this podcast today and Knuckle that was a really fascinating opening day of a test match wasn't it we've had a bit of everything today and I would suggest that India are probably more than those he's ahead at the end of day one yeah you you would very rarely turn down 300 to 6 if offered I mean that's a we haven't actually seen a day like that for a while that's the sort of thing you used to get in the sort of mid 2000s when the that kind of thing happened quite a lot during the 2005 Ashes and around that time where you'd get a lot of runs and a lot of wickets uh, yet again we saw wickets falling in, in, in clusters uh, the ball is doing is doing plenty. I think it's quite a reasonable pitch. I mean, yes, it is turning, but and yes, the the ball is taking a few chunks out of the surface. But the there is bounce, which obviously brings both the fast bowlers and the spinners into spinners rather into contention, and it allows good stroke play. And um, Rohit Sharma's innings was was fantastic throughout. I got the stats on on Rohit Sharma. So that's his, that was his thirteenth innings as a Test opener. He scored 400s and 150. Um, this is despite the fact he'd only opened in first-class cricket three times, all of those in second innings chasing quick runs. So it wasn't anything he'd done um, before, but he's taken to it brilliantly, uh, just as he did when moved up the order in in uh, one-day international cricket. I just heard the Indian um, pre-match, uh, post-match comments from Ajinkya Rahane, talking about him and Pujara and Rohit and, and the others, talking about the batters, trying to play their shots and trying to be trying to have positive scoring options uh, throughout. Um, I was going to say that to you, Knuckle, because one of the features of, uh, well, certainly Rohit's innings, he went along very quickly. Rahani joined him as well. That partnership was not slow, was it? And what, what that's done, if that pitch does deteriorate, it means that India have got runs on the board early doors, isn't it? So they, you know, they've kind of used the pitch at its best and used it quickly. Yeah, I think that's that's true. And you know, don't just count Richard Punt batting uh, his 33 not out as well. Uh, Rahani's innings was lovely. Uh, he really didn't look in any trouble at all until he got out Playing that, playing that sweet shot. It's one of the. It's the best I've seen him bat in India for a little while. Uh, Rahani and that partnership between him and, and Rohit Sharma was, was perfect. You know, they're both very calm characters, and Rohit obviously batting, scoring so fluently uh, took a lot of the pressure off Rahani. And vice versa. To be fair, Rahani came in and was able to score at two key runs and over when Rohit was starting to get when Leach was bowled particularly well at him. I thought Broad actually bowled quite well in his. Uh, in his second spell at, at Royal Stormer, Broad bowled tight to off stump, even though he didn't. Uh, Stuart Broad didn't make much of an impression uh, for the for the rest of the day. I don't think this pitch is quite as bad or as treacherous as some people. Well, are you, saying. you made the point on the WhatsApp group, didn't you? That we've got a WhatsApp group listeners that we kind of like chat to as we go through the day, and um, we were all talking about the pitch sort of falling apart. And you, and you were you were exactly right. You know, there's no guarantee that that can happen. Sometimes we see a pitch that looks a little bit dodgy at the start, just ends up settling down, and it, it it's okay for the rest of it sometimes this pitch might just fall apart completely so you know it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that surface yeah indeed and we've seen pitches that kind of just stay at roughly the same level I remember when England played Bangladesh 
in 2016, you know, the pitch was turning very sharply from ball one, but it kind of just, that was the character of the pitch throughout and it didn't become unplayable at any point. Um, and what you've got to do, and I think um, Arnold and Dan have both touched on this to some extent, whatever you, position you end up in, you've got to use the conditions and you've got to bat well. It's what England did in the first test, brilliantly, led by Joe Root uh, with, with Stokes and Sibley. And it's what, to a lesser extent, India have done done here. They, they've had a clear game plan and they've been, as Arnold was saying, decisive against the spinners. So some coming down the track, some sweeping when the ball is pitched up there was, uh, and one going back. There was one in particular, there was one passage where uh, Moen Ali bowl, bowling to Ajinkya Rahane. Rahane swept a ball, getting right out in front of himself and sweeping. And then to a ball that pitched almost on the exact same length, went back and cut it off the stumps past backward point. And for all that he is rusty, undoubtedly Moinelli, it's very difficult to settle as a spinner when someone can hit you for boundaries off front and back foot from the same delivery. Uh, it was a lovely innings from Ajinkya Rahane. BlackRatCricket.com Handmade English Willow Bats They do have a cashmere range for bats 0-4 Starter kit all the way to pro level kit They're based in Yorkshire There is team wear available And there is a new signature range coming soon in February Bats made by cricketers for cricketers Make 2021 count with Black Rat Cricket couple of tweets I had today, Knuckle, from the more kind of glasses half empty kind of um, guys that follow me, was that, ah, uh, win toss, win match. And it, yeah, that, from that perspective, they were suggesting that this test series might be a little bit boring. That first day was far from boring. But do, do you see that, that maybe, you know, win toss, maybe have a, a bit too much of a bearing? Because obviously everybody's going to bat. Uh, no, I don't see that at all. It's a small sample size, but the nine test matches this year that have had positive results, uh, six of them have been won by the team batting second. Obviously, it's a very small sample size. Think back to 2016, England won four tosses out of five and lost four nil. I think India won quite a few tosses in the uh, in 2018, I think, do you remember? And, and lost the series uh, 4-1. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, I don't think it is the case that, that bat first, that, you know, bat first win the game. It, you know, bat best win the game, I think, is the, is the best way of, uh, of putting it. It is uh, possible to come back from, from deficits. Um, Arnold mentioned the Pune test match in 2017. And I don't think, by the way, that this pitch is anywhere near as... Uh, as much of a lottery as uh, as that. But the Bangalore Test match, India conceded a pretty significant first innings lead to Australia in that game. Nathan Lyon bowled one of the best performances I've, I've seen in uh, by a visiting spinner in India, 8 for 50 he took. And India fought back and won the, and won the Test match um, and, and should not go 2-0 down and end up winning the, ended up winning the series. So it, it is possible, particularly on a, on a pitch that is, is doing something. From my mind, um, just a couple more things about the pitch before we move on to the cricket. A, for me, the only bad pitch is a dead pitch. I really, I don't mind too much as long as it's doing something. Never, ever, ever again do I want to see a test pitch like Trent Bridge in uh, 2014 or the MCG in 2017. Never, ever again. No, I, I, bet, it, I bet you will <laughs> at some stage. Of course I will. Um, but, I, uh, you know. I'd personally love to see Jimmy Anderson get 83 again. <laughs> that was one thing. Mohammed Shami getting 50 cannot be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> That's beyond the pale. And also on the on the pitch, I'm not sure that it necessarily is an advantage for India to have a... I don't like the term rank turner because it's a, a bit sort of exoticizing the whole thing, but uh, a pitch that is turning sharply. You know, as Anand says... I think it almost negates India's advantage to some extent. And also, if you produce a pitch that your seamers can't do anything on, and I don't think this is that pitch, incidentally, then 
you're negating India's advantage there as well because India have a very good seam attack that yeah. India has matched India's spinners over the last four years um, and actually taken his wickets at a better economy and average. So I think there is some element of there is some element of just that's how a pitch of this character of this character and this uh, makeup is going to play. You talked about the black black soil. I think there is. I think some of the narratives around the around the pitch are problematic. I think I think a lot of it is um, England fans knowing that England aren't very good at spin and just fearing the worst after seeing a few turn on day one. So we'll see how that goes. As we really, England have won five tests in a row in Sri Lanka now on pitches that were turning far more from this. I wouldn't be as quite as frightened of the Sri Lankan spinners as I would be of the Indian spinners. I would say I would say that. Alan's just going back to this top order of uh, India. I mean, Rohit Sharma just uh, he's one of my favourite batsmen to watch in world cricket in all forms 161 from him today 231 balls you can't say he looked in complete control because there was a couple of little chances but that's kind of what Rohit Sharma gives you a little bit I tweeted fairly early on in these innings he was only on about 10 at the time that he just looked ominous touch he was just timing the ball so nicely and I had a few uh, India fans saying to me yeah but this is what he does he gets to 20 or 30 and then throws it away with a silly shot he didn't today did he he was terrific he was absolutely great today and I think that narrative might also be a little old you know Rohit Sharma does sometimes you know give that impression that he's a little careless but if you look at the last few years Rohit's really be on top really been on top of it I think his average in India now is 88 so somebody who gets out for 20 or 30 is not going to average 88 in tests when they're playing in India and also when we saw him in Australia just a couple of months ago and you could see how he has changed his technique sure he's going to take on the shots when he sees the ball but that's how Rohit plays and at some point, you cannot be dismissive of that considering the results he's given. I think in the last two years, you know, that was a stat floating around in the commentary that in the last two years, since 2018, I think Rohit is the third highest scorer of runs across all formats. So Kohli and Root are one and two, followed by Rohit Sharma. So I think, you know, some of that narrative is, is, is a little tough to take. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Let's get on to the umpiring. (laughs) <laughs> there was a t- 20 minutes of madness today. I think the umpiring standards across the board in test matches recently have been pretty decent, actually. And DRS obviously helps that and gets rid of the howler. That's what DRS is there for. So you can go upstairs and get the correct decision. Today, we saw a couple of questionable decisions, I'd suggest, Anand. Went upstairs for the stumping of Ravi Ashwin. Uh, his foot looked to be on the line. You need to have a little bit of the foot behind the line. The third umpire looked at it a couple of times. In fact, quite quickly, I felt, in you know, I've seen some of those replays and those situations go on for hours where they're looking at every single possible replay and showing it in slow motion, then blowing it up and going in, zooming and everything like that. Gave it not out, where it didn't look like there was too much behind the line to me on that one. And then we saw, um, just a few moments later, when, sorry, that was 
was Rahani wasn't stumping, wasn't it? It was Ravi Ashwin who was caught at short leg. The replay showed the ball had missed the bat. Then they showed the LBW because that's what they do these days, even though it never looked like LBW. And that's what that was it. And Jerry was out there sort of pontificating. Well, we were actually appealing for the ball coming up off the pad to brush the glove to go to short leg. And they never even looked at that. And then subsequent replay showed that there was a big spike as the ball went past the glove because it hit the glove. I thought it was poor umpiring from the third umpire. But then I had uh, tweets suggesting that it was cheating and it was the Indians kind of using that situation to benefit themselves. That was a suggestion. I don't like that because these are professional guys and the guy who put there in the third umpire, well, he had a, a bit of a nightmare for 20 minutes, but I would never call him a cheat. It was just poor. <laughs> and how, how do you see that from an Indian side, side of things? First of all, I think... I probably don't put a lot of stock into that whole cheating allegation. These umpires play all around the world, right? So if if these umpires really need to get into that elite panel so they get more opportunities, they really... Oh, yeah, you, you get marked on it, don't you? you? You're not going to get your career very far if you if you give bad decisions all the way through. I mean, gone are the days, Anand, where England used to go to Pakistan and India and there wasn't DRS and they were all home umpires and it was just the naked eye with far poorer TV cameras and then they got away with a few things, I think, in those days, but I don't think they do these days. Absolutely right. I think... Ever since we've gone to neutral umpires, things have changed. But also, when you look at the impact of TV technology, right now, if an umpire gets a decision wrong, right away, we know whether it's right or wrong. Back then, I think there was sort of guesswork. You know, obviously, you could look at some howlers, but you couldn't look at the exact results of what the umpire had given. Right now, in a few seconds, you know how well the umpire's done. Case in point, the one that Anil Chaudhary missed today. So I don't know about cheating, but I think this might really be a poor decision. Yeah. We've always seen that. I think even in Australia, we've seen where there were appeals for LBW, you would follow through and see whether it caught a bit of the glove or something like that on the way to the keeper or somebody had slipped. How that wasn't reviewed by, I think, the third umpire, Zanil Chaudhary, is, is, is baffling. But I would really go with the notion that this was a bad decision more than there, there was a very similar one I think it was in Sri Lanka I don't think it was the first test match of this series I think it was back in Sri Lanka when England were playing there where a very similar thing happened and the third umpire obviously decided there wasn't an inside edge onto pad and then they didn't roll it on and the, I can remember the commentators saying well I would have liked to have seen it to, whether it touched the glove on the way back up again so whether there's some kind of edict that you just look at the bat um, and that's that's all you need to do upstairs but obviously that doesn't get you the right decision in the end does it? It certainly doesn't I know that we're all about moving the game forward and making these decisions quickly but if there is any doubt it makes sense to you know go through the entire uh, uh, go through the entire process and also check if there is a second way that a batsman could have been out so there certainly was doubt here so I think certainly opportunity missed and something that you know the third umpire will probably look at and want to change as he go for, goes forward Dan it, it seems a little bit strange uh, I mean on the stumping one uh, there's no conclusive proof that he was definitely out on that it looked out to me um, I would have given it out from what I saw but maybe there was a little bit of confusion and a little bit of uh, benefit of the doubt for the batsman on that one so not a massive deal but obviously the second one was out the catch at short leg came off the glove absolutely conclusive proof that that was out but they didn't roll it on to see that but obviously as Anand said we want to get the game moving on as quickly as possible but we want the right decision and they, yet they still took time to review the LBW which was never out because it was going miles down leg side you know, there was never a possibility that was LBW they weren't even appealing for that they do that as a matter of course but they can't spare the time to actually make sure they get the initial decision right. No, it seems strange that they followed some sort of protocol, but 
it seemed that they didn't follow the correct one. Um, so it was obviously, you know, in, in their minds to follow through with the LBW. But it seemed to me like they sort of waited until Root had questioned the decision with the umpire to even check the LBW. So I'm not sure how that was, how that came across in, in such a mixed message, if that makes sense. What does, um, it make, what does it make sense to me, Dan, is that you could see quite clearly Joe Root saying to the umpire there, can you check to see if that ball has gone off, off the pad onto the glove? And the umpire kind of like nodded to him and Root nodded but then they never did it. And you know, if the captain there who has actually made the review is actually asking for that on the pitch, then surely you do that, don't you? Exactly, yeah. It's tricky. They did. They obviously they have the hardest job in the game, and I'm not disputing the. We mentioned earlier about the cheating. I don't think that's an issue in the slightest. I think it was an honest mistake. It's just a, a mental twenty minutes, and quite a lot happened very quickly. I think something that no one has picked up on yet. I think Mark Butcher on commentary was he, he only he seemed to be the only sort of commentator who was following it through and picking up on it. Whether that's because he's looking at it from an English perspective, which is um, you know what I'd suspect, but he sort of uh, kept hammering home that pro because weren't followed and it wasn't uh, the correct course of action. And I think that took a lot of um, took a lot of guts to do that with how regulated the Indian cricket coverage tends to be when it comes to moments of controversy. And I think yeah, it almost because Nick it Knight was seemed... Nick Knight was very much more watered down when it came to the stumping a few moments earlier, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah. And I think it almost seemed as if Mark Butcher was the reason that England got the review back as well. Obviously, to add to the two third umpire decisions, we had a decision overturned about. 20 minutes later for the, the bat pad. So it wasn't the best days for, for the umpires, but I saw it. A, it, it, was a strange, it was a strange one though, Dan, wasn't it? That every side, every time there was a review like that that caused a load of controversy, the controversy disappeared quite quickly because a wicket almost followed all, you know, a few balls later. So it kind of watered down the controversy because we were moved on to something else very quickly. Exactly. Could you imagine if India were walking off, you know, sort of 300 to three tonight with them two decisions having been missed? I think we'd, we'd be hearing a, even more about it than what we're going to hear now. I, I, I saw a really interesting tweet that said that Anil Chowdhury did a really, really good job on field in the last test. And I think that does need to, you know, come into the equation. I think if we if, if we are going, if, if we question the, the cheating of an umpire, I think it's nonsense because he, he did so well in the last game. And I just think it's one of them things, unfortunately. Hopefully the, the world cricket, I mean, because it's involving India, you'd think that world cricket would now sort of not allow anything like this to happen again and it will be hammered home to the umpires that every aspect of every review needs to be considered. Knuckle, neutral umpires obviously with covid everything and people being in bubbles there they're using home umpires at the moment which kind of leads you down that route of kind of doubting it to, to some extent or some people doubting it to some extent but what's your opinion yeah that is exactly my point is that the neutral umpires takes out any possibility of the narrative going to cheating the fact that we're having to spend so much time debunking this narrative yeah. is exactly why neutral umpires were introduced in the first place. You know, it's arguably Imran Khan's greatest contribution to cricket. Forget everything he did as a player, as a captain. It's his greatest contribution to cricket, the fact that he led the charge for neutral umpires in test cricket. And that's that's quite some statement considering what he achieved. Well, exactly, but it elevates the incredibility of the entire sport, uh, certainly at test level. I completely understand why we have gone to home umpires, although one could argue that you could uh, you could embubble uh, some, some neutral umpires Although you know their job is hard enough, and they do enough travelling without being without being bubbled, um, I do understand that. And it also means that you have uh, an umpire on frequently. You have an umpire on the elite panel, umpiring with someone on the international panel, and we could see the step 
the step up in yeah. the first test. Anil Chowdhury didn't get a lot wrong, but he did get a couple of decisions wrong, whereas Menon was flawless in that first test, Nitin Menon, who's on the elite panel. And there is a step up. Anil Chowdhury, this is, uh, I think that's the first time he's third umpired in a, in a test match. Uh, Virendra Sharma, the other end uh, from Nitin Menon, this is his first time umpiring in a test match. Actually, weirdly, Nitin Menon was the one who got one uh, one wrong with that, um, with the one that was overturned later. But it was a a really poor bit of not following the protocol and slightly negligent um, from from Anil Chaudhary to to not follow that whole process through. I think then, Michael, that they they're not going to just be thrown into that box with a TV set, a, a microphone, and two minutes of YouTube training, are they? That they will have presumably attend weekends, weeks of training and sit down for hours on end actually learning how to actually officiate properly in that role i mean he's on the international panel so he's clearly you know he's yeah. you know he's and he's umpired in a few limited overs internationals i'm sure he's very experienced at first class level and he's umpired in the ipl quite a lot although he has made a couple of high profile um errors but you know any umpire can make high profile errors that happens um, I mean, that's, that's the point though i think i mean somebody made it to me on twitter today that umpiring is the hardest job in the world you've got 0.6 seconds to watch a, a jimmy anderson ball get from one end to the other and to make a very split second decision on something that people in the tv boxes can see from 24 different angles at ultra slow-mo in hd but, you know the on-field stuff is difficult but there's not so much excuses there if you're upstairs with those tv replays no and you talk about protocols and edicts umpire are told to check for every possible dismissal. Players don't appeal for specific dismissals. Players appeal, and then it's up to the umpire to decide, and in this case, the umpiring team to decide what in what manner the battery is out or is not out. Uh, so, you know, Root saying that, uh, presumably this is Root saying this after the decision was given not out and then having a having a look, which I understand he shouldn't be doing that while the, while the appeal is going on. No, they, uh, they, they, they're on the pitch, and the, they, obviously they can see it on the screen from the, from the middle, can't they? And they'd seen the review going through for the uh, the edge on the bat um, which was turned down and then it came up on the screen referral lost after the LBW and then nothing else came up so he said to the umpire well what about the glove what about the glove that's what we that's what we were looking at and uh, the umpire said something to him obviously I'm not a very good lip reader Root kind of nodded Root went back off to uh, mid on and resumed his fielding position but we're still looking at the screen to see if they were going to look at it but they never did um, well we did see it eventually um, certainly on the on the TV pictures here but, but not but not as part of the review process was it no we didn't we didn't um, and by that point it's too late right by that point it's too late and, and what it, what that does actually is that it goes back to the bad old days where the TV cameras show up the mistakes of the umpiring, doesn't it? Because you know it used to be that you'd see the inside edge on Snicko um, when there wasn't DRS, and everybody would be saying, "Well, that's a howler from the umpire." Well, we kind of if, if you're not actually looking at the DRS re- replays properly, and, and you're looking at like you say every single potential dismissal, you are ultimately missing something, and it makes the system look bad. Yeah, or it doesn't have to. To be fair, the system. Is fine. It was used really badly in this in this case by Anil Chaudhary. I'll rephrase that. It makes the official look bad. Oh, there's no doubt it makes him look bad um, for sure. And no one will be more aware of that than he is. Uh, to, be, to be honest, it's been a while since there's been an Indian umpire on the elite panel. Nitin Menon now um, having come onto the elite panel. Uh, India's India has been invested a lot of time and energy in training up their umpires to a higher standard, and and this is and there is a credibility issue at stake, and there's a there's a sense of wanting to uh, wanting to, to the BCCI recognizing that this is an area they haven't invested in enough over the years, and it's something that they uh, they want to do. And you know, um, umpires just like players are proud professionals, and they they don't like making mistakes even more so than uh, even more so when you're a third umpire. Um, and you know, I do feel sorry for him to some extent because he's he's made this this error, and he knows it's made an error, and he's going to be. 
you know, he can't read any papers or go on or read Crick Info or go on social for a while before he gets, unless he's got an incredibly thick skin. <laughs> uh, there's actually, there's one more point of protocol not following. There isn't actually a provision in the laws for a review to be given back if the third umpire has made a mistake. I think what seems to happen, seems to have happened, is that the match referee, Dravagal Srinath, has taken matters into his own hands somewhat. I bet what will happen now is that there will be a provision put into the laws because this is what cricket does. It reacts quite well to these situations that you can't quite see coming, codifies them, and so that you have something to go off in future. So this is another little weird, interesting wrinkle. How much only of this will matter to the final result is unclear. Well, I think, but, I mean, it was like almost like the game rectified itself by the wicket following, but that doesn't really kind of you know properly rectify the decision, does it? We're running out of time, chaps. I mean, day one has been so incident-packed and so exciting that we could talk probably for another hour easily without drawing breath. But uh, we're coming to the end of uh, today's Test Match Daily. Um, and Anand, just one final line from you, 300 for six on the board. As an Indian spectator, you're, uh, I-, I guess, rather happy today. Yeah, absolutely. Considering the, the kind of spin that the spinners are getting and India rolling in with three different spinners, you know, certainly it's left to see what the pitch will do, but 300 runs on board, I think on the first day is good. If Pant hangs around to tomorrow, you know that Pant's going to score quite a few runs. If Akshar can can just stay with him for a session, uh, you know, that, that'll certainly strengthen the position more. At the start of the day, I was thinking that if India did about 425, that would be great. You know, after watching the ball start spinning, I kind of reduced that. But, you know, if India get anywhere near 400, I think that's a great total on board. Dan, 306 on the board from the other side of the spec- uh, of things. I mean, we've got the Rishabh punt factor, which could be um, quite thrilling for the first hour tomorrow. England are going to have to bat seriously well on that track to get anything from this game, aren't they? Yeah, we can't just rely on Joe Root either. We need to we need some other, you know, big hundreds from someone like Ben Stokes. It's his time to step up, maybe. Like I said previously, I think England are going to need to do some a, a serious, serious uh, body of work between the entire team to get themselves out of this one. But yeah, who knows? Joe Root gets in. Who's, who are we to doubt? that he's got another big innings in him unleash some sweeps be decisive in your footwork know what you're doing with a clear thought process right back right forward sweep and uh hope for the best <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so easy until you said that last bit N- Nacle, exactly yeah Nacle, um, just to finish off with on the general issue um, or not an issue really it's a, a general wonderful thing we mentioned the other day Test, test Cricket is having a, a terrific time of it not just in the last few days but in the in the last few years this series is just terrific stuff isn't it the first Test match an un- unlikely result maybe from an England perspective winning it India fighting back today it's just setting everything up nicely yeah absolutely I mean today was on fast forward wasn't it you look at the first day of the of the first Test match you a very different pitch but in England grinding it out to 263 for three with Joe Root floating above it like he's like, like some celestial being here 300 for six and it's all action and there's stuff happening all the time and batters scoring runs quickly and wickets falling in clusters um, there's a lot of ways for Test Cricket to be brilliant this is set up very nicely England do have a huge amount of work to do but they always did yeah, to finish off with, ain't Test Cricket great? I hope you're all enjoying this series out there because uh, series like this don't come around all the time. In fact, they do, but uh, certainly this one is very, very special indeed. Any of your fans will be happy. England fans will be hoping for a better day tomorrow. Anand, Dan and Knuckle, thank you very much indeed for joining me today from your various vantage points on this series. I've been James Butler, the Cricket Badger. We'll be back after day two tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We will be back every day during England's tour of India. Get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter. We hope you are enjoying the cricket. See you again tomorrow.
Sports Social Podcast Network.